This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And it is a rainy one, as Wyatt was just saying, and I can't think of a person I want to talk to more right now than TMJ4 Chief Meteorologist Brian Nizansky. We finally have the rain we've been hoping for. for it. Well, it's got to be like a month. Yeah. Is this going to stick around? Yeah, you know, I think we got a couple more hours of this to go. Um, it rained through the night last night, but it was pretty light for the most part. But, hey, any rain, we will take it. But anybody who does have afternoon plans, I think we will be dry. I think give it another hour or two for most of the area, and this will start to get out of here. How much do you think it's going to be total? I mean, do, are we still going to have to water the lawn this week? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, obviously it does help. But it's not going to be a drought buster rainfall. I see most locations probably still less than a quarter inch of rainfall, which will help out in the near term. It gives the farmers a, a good drink of water. But, you know, by, by the end of the week, again, we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll take what we can get, put it that way. <laughs> but, it, but, yeah, there are some spots up towards Fond du Lac that did achieve a little bit more. Um, last check, I saw Fond du Lac was at seven-tenths of an inch of rain. So that's good. Um, uh, good for them. Hopefully they can share some of that wealth here on the tail end of things. How's that going to affect lakes around the area? Because I know a lot of people have their lake homes and they want to get out there on the boats. Are they going to have trouble? Are they going to be hitting more uh, sandbars, do you think? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good point. Um, And it really depends on the lake. If your lake is a pot lake that doesn't have like a tributary going into it or flowing into a bigger, you know, like riverbed or anything like that, then the water levels are likely down in your lake. And it will take you know, numerous rainfalls to bring them back up. If your lake is attached to, you know, you know, a bigger waterway and stuff, it doesn't fluctuate as much. So I don't think it's as huge of an issue yet because coming out of winter, we actually had a surplus of water. So our drought is more of kind of a short-term problem, whereas for the year, we're pretty close to average precipitation because we started off wet. So this is more of a kind of a near-term thing, um, you know, affecting the farmers and, of course, our dry lawns. Well, I think a lot of people, though, are mistakenly thinking that this is just a drought because when was the last significant rainfall? Wasn't it like either late April or early May? Yeah, totally. Uh, I'd have to look at the specific date. But, yes, it has been several weeks, um, if not well over a month, that we had a, you know, a significant rain. And I don't even know if we could classify this morning's rain as a significant rainfall, you know, half inch or more, an inch or more of rain. So we, we, we have to go back quite a bit of time. And unfortunately, this landed during the time when farmers planted, you know, they mm. planted their corn, they planted the soybeans. Mm-hmm. And ever since they planted, we didn't really get any rain. Um, so this will help a little bit. And there's also some hope, a slight chance of showers tomorrow. And then Tuesday, uh, actually Monday night into Tuesday, I'm looking at another decent chance for some rain. I really think that is looking promising Monday night and into Tuesday morning, and then we'll be dry the rest of the week. Tuesdays are made for rain, right? Yeah, but do you think the one tomorrow night will be significant compared to what Uh, we're getting today, or is it going to be about the same? uh, It looks a little bit more, honestly. Um, Oh, good. uh, The most recent computer model runs are outputting maybe a quarter to a half inch of rain. So the potential is there for about twice as much rain as what we got last night. So if we keep tacking away and, you know, we start to get more in a normal pattern here where, you know, you get some dry days and then all of a sudden you get a little uh, dose of rain and then all of a sudden you get a big thunderstorm, we'll start to bounce back here. Hopefully I do see things becoming a bit more unsettled and active compared to 
the past month that we went through with May and now a good portion of June. Do you think, okay, now you spend some time outside at this time of the year, don't you? Are are you a camper or a hiker? Do you do Um, any of that stuff? I mean, yeah, I I do like to spend time outside. I I golf a lot. Um, Usually the kids are... The kids are consuming really anything else, so I'll be sitting on the sidelines of the soccer game. Uh, but, no, we like to go up north. Uh, family's got a place in St. Germain, so we go way, way up north. Um, I like fishing. I'm not very good at it. I like riding around on dirt bikes and four-wheelers. That's about it. <laughs> have you have you encountered any snakes while you've been up up at the lake? Uh, um, not no, up north, not so much. Um, there are timber rattlers in that area, but I haven't encountered any. Actually, in my yard here in Grafton, I got quite a bit of like garden snakes and grass snakes that come around pretty good. Ooh, okay. Well, you're going to want to listen to this because I okay. have one of the foremost experts on snakes in Wisconsin joining <laughs> us later on this morning. Cool. He's got, we're going to talk about timber rattlers. We're going to talk about those garter snakes. We're going to talk about all the snakes, where to find Please. them if you really want to. Uh, yeah, he's written a book. It's like 1,300 pages of snakes in Wisconsin, wow. all illustrated, beautiful color pictures. And if you're into snakes, you're going to love it. So we got that coming up a little bit later on, Brian. Hey, listen, thank you. I like you. hearing about it more than <laughs> staring one down in my yard. So I'll tune in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, TMJ4 Chief Meteorologist Brian Nisansky, thanks so much for waking up with us this morning. Yeah, thanks a lot, Libby. Have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Take care. Well, like we said, we're going to talk a little bit about snakes later on this morning. Also, remember last week we talked about that bear that was around Waukesha and then... So I was at a family get... It was around Waukesha County. Well, he's he's moved across the state line. And we're going to give you a little bit of an update of that. Also, June is PTSD Awareness Month, and we're going to find out exactly what that means and who's most likely to experience it. And I know a lot of you out there are struggling with those student loans. You're wondering, okay, are we really going to have to start paying that off again? Well, we're going to share a phone number with you if you've got questions about your student loan. And uh, you can get all of the information you need about that. Also, Mark Cass is here. He's talking about an increased sales tax and why it's needed in the city of Milwaukee. Also, Matt Miller's going to be flaming hot with entertainment news. Uh, why it's in the newsroom. Sam and Charlie are pushing those buttons this morning. And it just two minutes. It's Dominic Catroni on sports. It's all ahead on Wisconsin weekend morning news where it is 53 degrees at 814. I don't know about you, but I was pretty happy this morning when I woke up and I saw there was some rain out there finally. But as Brian Nisdansky just told us a couple minutes ago, it's probably going to stick around for maybe an hour or so. So don't get so excited. You will probably still have to water that lawn (laughs) this week. Although he said tomorrow night we do have another chance of some rain that could be a little bit more significant than what we're getting right now. Uh, this morning, it's a little bit chilly, chillier than we've been experiencing. In Cedarburg, it's 51 degrees. Oak Creek has 53. Brookfield, you're at 51. We have 52 at WTMJ at 821. And that means it's time to check in with Mark Cass, editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Well, over the last couple of weeks, Mark, we've been talking about the possibility of a local sales tax around Milwaukee County. I guess you're going to hear more about that this week? Yeah, I mean, this thing's really come to a head over the past few days, as I'm sure all of you listeners heard, what, what kind of went on in Madison, where they came to an agreement, which would allow more revenue to go to other communities throughout the state, but also would allow Milwaukee and Milwaukee County to implement a local sales tax. If this is approved in the legislature and signed by 
Evers, which I believe it will be. Then it comes down to whether the alderman in Milwaukee will approve this and whether the county board will approve this. So this is a big deal for the city. As you heard about the financial issues of the city of Milwaukee, the threat of layoffs, the threat of service cuts, the threat of libraries closing. I mean, it's very serious. I'd be surprised if the alderman would not approve this. And it's a couple cent sales tax here that would be implemented in Milwaukee. And then there's an additional 0.4% for the county, which again, would have to go through the county board. Will it be approved there? That'll be, I think, more interesting. I think there's a little more opposition on the county board. I'm not sure if there's enough to stop it. So it'll be up to the, the mayor and the county exec to get this thing sold and locally, but this could be an issue. You've been hearing about it from people since like 2012, Libby, 2013. They've been talking about sales tax in Milwaukee, and we finally are on the verge of actually having it happen. And it's needed. So this is going to be a very important next few weeks, no doubt about it. But will that affect the decision of businesses of whether or not they want to stay in the city or even the county or move out to Waukesha, Ozaki? I think it's going to have some. I think that's the thing you have to kind of weigh as you kind of look at this is if we have a higher tax in Milwaukee, what will that mean? And without this money, it's going to have to make some significant cuts. There's been even talk of bankruptcy. We talk about a lot of things because they're kind of hitting that number now where they really need some action. Communities throughout the state are working through this, but very few of them are talking about adding on a sales tax. It's also got an effect on the future of your favorite, the streetcar. Uh, the yeah. hop. What, <laughs> what, what's going to restrict the use of city funds for its expansion? If this whole thing is approved through the legislature, it does restrict the use of certain funds for the streetcar. And the city wants to expand that. Right now, only having the one route, expanding to the lakefront over the next few months. And then hopefully, years, there's talk about making it up through the arena, into the third ward, into Walker's Point, into the north side neighborhoods. That would be a lot harder under this proposal. So just a lot of publics in general who don't like the hop for some reason, who don't want Milwaukee to expand it. The city would have to be creative, try and figure out ways to expand it, because I don't think it'll ever be as successful as everybody wants it to be. Unless it's expanded. Well, another thing we're watching, speaking of businesses in the city of Milwaukee, Giannis and his brothers are yeah. saying that they're opening a store at the Trade Hotel near Pfizer Forum. Do you know what kind of store this is going to be and what are they going to be selling there? Hey, this is going to be real fun to watch because, you know, they have a store right now at the airport in Greece. There it's really merchandise, hats, shirts, things that have their name, things that have their logo, and, and then all the proceeds go to charity. You know, Giannis, it's been really interesting to watch over the last few months. I'm sure you've seen this become very active in his other life. I call his other life. He's got a life on the court where he's incredibly successful, but he looks like he's trying to really get involved in more off the court. See, with the store here, then he had an announcement earlier this week again about being an investor in a handy company out of Canada. And we have all seen the talk about him and Skittles and Oreos and other things he loves. So one of the questions we've asked, and we haven't got an answer yet, is will this store sell his candy? So it's kind of fun to see because Giannis, being being as smart as he is, probably realized he's not going to play forever. And at some point, he's going to need to be involved in other things. And he's really using his notoriety now, using his international appeal to get involved in other things, to set himself up for his entire life. You know, you can all say he's already made well enough money to be set for life and set for all of his kids' life. Wants to get involved in his businesses and wants to use his name means right now. A lot of interest to watch what they sell and how good it does down there. And also, if he'll do some personal appearances, that would drive traffic into the store. I think he might do some appearances to eat some Skittles with you. I'm sure, Libby, that if you went there and said, I'd like some Skittles or an Oreo with some milk, you know, he'd be there with you. I'm looking forward to that one. Another thing that I think we're all looking forward to is the fact that Loopy and Iris was one of the top 10 finalists for the James Beard Award. They announced the winner. How did they do? 
Yeah, they didn't win the overall award. Uh, actually, a restaurant out of Portland, Oregon did. But I think the fact they were named a finalist, one of a few in the country who were in this category, and it's a great thing for Milwaukee to have a restaurant that's that level and to be seen nationally as one of the best to open it throughout the country. It's a great thing for our restaurant scene. And for them, they were up against a restaurant from New York, a restaurant from Chicago, a restaurant from Washington, a restaurant from Atlanta. And they did very well. And I think Adam and his crew have done a fantastic job. It's a great restaurant. And it's brought exposure to Milwaukee. And I think for years, we've often heard we hit above our weight class in terms of our food scene here in Milwaukee. And I think here's another example that we, we obviously do. On Thursday, the Milwaukee Business Journal 100 Power Breakfast yeah. took place. And you had everybody there, business leaders who were talking about how to move Milwaukee forward. And they really tackled some heavy issues, including racism, crime, and also encouraging young people to get involved as leaders. After everything was said in Denmark, what is your main takeaway? I would say a couple things. One is I love the energy in the room the interest in the topics. We talked about some hard issues, which, as someone called them, we talked about the isms, and that's, you know, racism and sexism and other things that have gone on in Milwaukee that have held us back. We also talked about some of the successes in Milwaukee and some of the things that are working well in Milwaukee. We had up on stage, you know, four or five, what I would not call the old guard. I call them the, the more experienced person. You know, the, the people who've been doing this a long time and have had a tremendous impact on our community. We also had an individual, kind of one of our young up-and-coming leaders. So it was great to see them all on the stage together to kind of have a discussion about how we move our city ahead, what kind of things can we do. And the thing I heard over and over again is you got to get involved. You got to understand sometimes you got to you got to move outside of your comfort zone. You got to eat in a neighborhood maybe where you don't normally eat. You got to walk in a neighborhood where you don't normally walk. You got to meet with people who maybe you don't normally meet with because we're all in one city together. And this was neat for me because of the hundred of these, I have actually moderated 80 of them, which makes me sound really old, right, Libby? It certainly but, does, Mark. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that help there, Libby. But well, yeah, it it's not like you do it once a I've year. Never, it's not like you've been doing it 80 years. You, know, you do this more than once a year. <laughs> no, but, uh, you, you know, I mean, to have six individuals on stage, we've never, we've never had that before. We never have offered that kind of thing. So it was a great chance to have that voice, to have this interaction with people, and to focus on what's next. And I think that really impressed me. And, you know, hopefully I'm around for a few more. Hopefully in another few years we can have this session again and see how much progress we make. There's a lot of great things about Milwaukee. There's also a lot of issues we, that we really need to work on. And, and it's great of the Milwaukee Business Journal that you're opening those forums where people can actually talk about it and listen and learn. Mark Cass, always great to have you here. It's good to be here. And no, I'm not 80, so it's not one per year. It's, it, was, it was actually over 20 years, but, you know. <laughs> Someday I'll hit, hopefully hit 80. <laughs> we'll, we'll be Let's waiting with a big birthday cake full of candles there for you, you Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Libby, you have a great week. And as a matter of fact, Mike Spaulding attended that power breakfast, and uh, we're going to be bringing you portions of that in the next couple of weeks on Conversation. So we'll, we'll tell you about that. That's all right here on WTMJ, where it is 53 degrees at 829 and Still ahead the next half hour, an update on that bear that was all over Waukesha County in the last month. We're going to tell you where he's been seen lately. That's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. And welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to talk about snakes. Oh, I can hardly wait, right? Uh, This week was quite a week, though. The magic bus leaves the station. An agreement reached on shared revenue. Former President Trump will appear in court 
and so much more. It's a week of reviews brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, back, back in the day. The Milwaukee Pride Parade kicking off this afternoon in Walker's Point on 2nd Street and Greenfield Avenue. We're out here, we're having drinks, we're singing, we're watching the parade, we're dancing in the streets. Today's a day to remember that no matter what, we're still here. It'll be called Connect One, a nine-mile east-to-west bus rapid transit line. Cool, straight path to the venue that we're going to. The free battery electric bus will run on Wisconsin Avenue, connecting the regional medical complex in Wauwatosa to the Milwaukee lakefront. 11 electric buses, elevated bus stations, and new technology. The BRT is a BFD. The Milwaukee County Transit System expects an average of more than 9,500 weekly riders by 2035. I will use this line to connect to other lines. I'll just be using this all the time. In the same way that Mac introduced us to personal computing, Apple Vision Pro will introduce us to spatial computing. Live from Spaceship Debbie, you are about to enter the VR universe. Have you ever done this before? Nope. Are you excited? I am very excited. This is going to be awesome. This is pretty funky. I'm about to go down a rim. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah, baby. It's my absolute honor to introduce Adrian Griffin as a head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't take this lightly. I'm excited to get to work, and we're going to have a lot of fun this year. I'm curious to know what you were experiencing going through the whole process. Well, again, I think it's uh, credit to John and his uh, staff. I thought they created, like, the perfect uh, platform for me. Is there added pressure knowing that Giannis is a great guy, but if he says no, if you don't connect with him, that this probably doesn't happen? After I sat down with Giannis, I felt like, man, this is a great connection, and we wanted the same thing. Pope Francis out of surgery after a three-hour-long operation on his abdomen. He's fine, and he's awake. New York City's skyline looking a lot like Mars as that massive, ominous plume of wildfire smoke pours over the border. Millions of Americans are feeling its effects. This is the highest level index of our knowledge since the 60s. It smells like a tire was like like a burning tire. My heart's in the East Coast because my daughter Amy lives in New York City and she is with us this afternoon. No one's hanging out outside and it's otherwise such a beautiful day and this time of year usually people are so that's definitely strange. A showdown over shared revenue Wednesday. If we do not get a deal this week, I think we should strip out all of the Milwaukee things. Splintering different topics off feels a little bit concerning to me. We do have breaking news. GOP leaders and Governor Evers reaching a deal on shared revenue that would drop a requirement that Milwaukee County and the city go to referendum to approve new sales taxes. We will have transformational school choice expansions. We will have money for public schools. We will have more money for all of the local government services that we know are priorities. This has been a historic investment in our schools, public and private. These funds must be used to address their unfunded pension liability and to maintain and grow their law enforcement, fire protection, and their emergency services. The dire state that the county and the city are in right now is in large part because of police debt. The answer to that is not more police. President of Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce, Tim Sheehy, says he doesn't take county board and common council votes for granted. However, the answer to a vote no on this 
is drastic 25% cuts in city and county services, and I think nobody wants to sign up for that vote. Pat Robertson founded the Christian Broadcasting Network in 1960 and was appearing on its flagship program, The 700 Club, till nearly the end of his life. I think you can say, well, Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. Bye, Felicia. A federal grand jury has indicted former President Trump in the ongoing investigation into the possible mishandling of classified documents. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. Once the former president arrives here at the federal courthouse in downtown Miami on Tuesday, it will mark an extraordinary moment for the United States because Trump will be placed under arrest by the very government he was once elected to lead. What a week, eh? What a week. Yeah, baby! Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And the Week in Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. I'm Libby Collins. It's 841 in just a couple minutes, so we're going to give you a beer update. Yeah, we talked about it last week. There's new, There's more news about the beer. It's all ahead of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, that rain's going to continue maybe for the next hour or two. Uh, temperatures a lot cooler than they've been the last couple of days. We're only going to get up, maybe if we're lucky, to the upper 60s, 70 or so. Right now, 53 at WTMJ at 844. We've got, before we get to sports, we've got Wyatt in here. Wyatt, remember last Sunday we talked about the bear all yes, over Waukesha County? Yes, have you seen County. it? Have I personally seen question. it? Well, I came close. So yesterday I was in Illinois to visit a friend. And they told me apparently... Wednesday or Thursday, you know where Gurney Mills is? You can't miss it when you're driving south on 294. Yeah. There's a like a, a daycare center, and the bear was running around the parking lot there the other day. It then went a little bit west, and yesterday they were spotting it in unincorporated Antioch, which is where I was visiting my friend yesterday. So close. There's a, there's a lot. It, you know what? There are a lot of... On, you know, trees and woods and places to hide. But he, he left here. He went down to Illinois. Yeah, and they're seeing a, what I would have to assume is another bear in uh, the Madison area. There's been sightings in Waukesha Ooh. County. There's uh, definitely some stuff going on. Uh, there's a biologist at UWM who says that it's uh, it's young bears who are striking out on their own for the first time, their first time out of the den and sort of Going off to Bear College, so to speak. Well, or or maybe that one that's headed to Illinois is thinking that they they need a, a quarterback in in Chicago. That's but, true. Yeah, they yeah, always they, need a quarterback or or a black. I mean, all the Bears could be headed there, and they probably would play a lot better if they drafted these guys. All right, just just that little update for you, Wyatt. Knew you'd be interested, and uh, you'll you'll see one eventually. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Pete, uh, and in just a couple of minutes, we've got Dominic Contronio in sports. It's all ahead of Wisconsin. We get morning news. Well, we've got rain early this morning. It's going to be on the windy side. Cool. Cloudy the rest of the day. We're going to only get to get up to the low 60s because uh, it's going to be a little bit breezy out there. Then tonight, clear, windy, cool. 
down to 48. Tomorrow we've got clouds and only high of 70 degrees, but it looks like we might have another chance of showers tomorrow night. Right now, waking up around Wisconsin on this Sunday morning, we've got Oconomowoc. You're at 53 degrees. Um, Waukesha has 51. Mequon's at 51. And here at WTMJ, we've got 52 at 851. And it's time to check in with Matt Miller. He, of course, is from... Whoa, what was that, Matt? Oh, whoa, whoa, no, keep, keep it going. Whoop. I don't know what's going on here, but I think you do, Matt. Is a critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. What the heck is all of that about? Well, that's Transformers. That's more than meets the eye. <laughs> All right, for, for somebody who maybe, maybe has been living in a bubble for the last 40 years, what is a Transformer? So Transformers were a very popular toy in the 80s. They were cars and trucks and various automobiles that turned into robots. And they made animated movies. And then in the 2000s, uh, I think around 2008 or 2006, they made a movie adaptation of Transformers. was a massive hit. Now it's turned into a massive movie franchise with a new movie that came out this weekend, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. And speaking of beasts, I understand that Pete Davidson is in this? Yeah, so he he essentially provides the personality to the movie. Uh, so if you think he's that, got one. Yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, Michael Bay uh, directed all of mo- almost all of the previous Transformers movies, and Michael Bay is not for everybody. His taste is very bombastic, very uh, d- dumb, I guess you could say. He doesn't make smart movies. No, he but, made The Rock, one of my favorite movies of all time. And that's probably one of his best movies. I mean, and he also made Pain and Gain, which is one of uh, Dwayne Johnson's Oh, yeah, that was a good one, well. too. I like that. Yeah, he, he can make a good movie. Uh, the Transformers movies, the, the, the scripts were not uh, written. Um, but, yeah, so it, it, say what you will about those other Transformers movies directed by Michael Bay. They had personality. They had cinematic flavor. You watch those movies you felt like you were watching a big movie. And I got to say, they got a new director for this new Transformers movie, and it just feels super bland now. It feels like it is All right, but, but, lacking. But, yeah, but, but, but what does that have to do with Pete Davidson? Because I find him, I, first of all, I don't find him funny. I don't find him entertaining. I find him quite boring. And it's the fact that he's in this movie. Is that what puts it over the edge to really boring? Yeah, if you find him boring, yeah, the the movie relies a lot on his robot character for the humor, for the personality, and I'm sorry, like that's not enough. Like that's not that's not enough seasoning. That is that is just you know flavoring something with salt and pepper. You know, we needed a few more spices thrown into this recipe. But because yeah, and I I mean even the visual effects don't really add up to much. The final fight scene, the final big action climax of the new Transformers movie takes place in this kind of CGI gray empty land. And it's just not very exciting to look at. And this is a movie about, you know, alien robots that can transform into cars and trucks. How is that so not interesting to look at? It's, I was, I was awfully bored watching Transformers Rise of the Beast. Was there anything that you did like about it? 
It takes place in the 90s, and so when the movie does have a little energy to it, it's mainly because it is being fueled by awesome old-school hip-hop, old-school 90s music. I I enjoyed some of that kind of energy to it. Uh, I I enjoyed that a little bit, and I do think the leads are good. They just don't have much to do. Uh, Pete Davidson only voices one of the robots. Uh, I believe it's Anthony Ramos and uh, Dominique Fishback who are the human leads in the movie. And they're really good performers. I just don't think they have much to work with here Mm. uh, acting against gray, bland robots. Oh, I know last week you were really excited about the new Spider-Man movie. So you don't think this is going to knock that out of the box office, do you? I think it probably will just because it is the new blockbuster of the weekend. But Mm. I saw it looks like Spider-Man is holding on really well at the box office. It's great. I really want people to check that one out it is the opposite of transformers where just every every single shot in across the spider-verse is beautiful to look at and is exciting to look at every every five seconds that movie is throwing something new at you to just make your eyes fascinated so i I, and the the story is great too it's still a really great story i i really recommend checking that one out all right now i said earlier today you are flaming hot, Matt Miller. <laughs> Why is that? There is a movie. This is going to be the weirdest sentence you may hear all day. There is a movie about the invention of flaming hot Cheetos <laughs> directed by Eva Longoria on Hulu. <laughs> Every part of that sentence is true. That is, there is a movie about the creation of the flaming hot Cheeto. Uh, directed by the Desperate Housewives star, <laughs> and it is on Hulu right now. It is, it is, and here's the craziest part about all of this is that this is uh, they they greenlit this movie because it's based on the true story of the guy who created the Flamin' Hot Cheeto, this janitor who was working at Frito Lay and came up with this great flavor combination that has become a global sensation. Just one problem with this true story: it's not true. There was some reporting that came out, uh, I believe, uh, two or three years ago that was like, yeah, this guy's been going around the country telling people he invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. But you talk to people who worked on Flamin' Hot Cheetos, and they're like, we have no idea who this person is. He may have like had an idea at some point, but he definitely did not create Flamin' Hot Cheetos. So they have this, you know, based on a true story. <laughs> it's not that's true. kind of... <laughs> kind of just you know self-made fan fiction is on some so, level. <laughs> is so is this a documentary or is it like a, a a feature it's a feature film and you know it is kind of uh, this is a fictional uh, not well i guess it's a little fictional movie <laughs> but yeah this is a a uh, a drama it is not a documentary about the creation of the flaming hot cheeto because i guess if you've ever been snacking on flaming hot cheetos and thought who invented this we needed to make a. I needed to know that. About that. Yeah, yeah. It's just been weird this year. All these movies about products. We had a movie about Tetris, the making of Tetris, the making of the Air Jordan shoe, and now the making of the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. I don't understand why Hollywood is like. You know what people want to learn about how products were made. <laughs> and if there were a product, you'd make a movie about Matt Miller. What would it be? Oh, if, if I if I could make a movie about a product, oh boy, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I would make a movie about people, <laughs> or at least alien robots that can transform. Without, <laughs> and, and you wouldn't cast Pete Davidson in it. 
No, Pete Davidson would not be allowed on set. He would be <laughs> there would be a security guard and he would be uh he would be shown the door at all times. And that could be based on a true story. Hey Matt, always great to hear from you. And of course, uh you, you write the best columns at oddmilwaukee.com, so check them out. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Take care. It's eight fifty nine. There's one thing I don't like other than Pete Davidson. It's snakes. But I'm kind of fascinated by them. So coming up after the news, we're going to hear everything you ever wanted to know about snakes in Wisconsin. It's all I had right here at WTMJ. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And welcome back to our two of... This Sunday morning show. Still ahead this hour, we're going to find out about PTSD. What exactly is it? Who's most likely to get it? And also, if you've got a student loan, we've got some news for you as well. But before we do anything else, why, why, you know, we're talking about bears. Sort of a nature show today. Have you ever encountered a snake? I believe I have uh, actually in the water multiple times. You were in the water with a snake? Yeah, and just like a, your normal kind of normal garden snake, but they, they swim sometimes. There's water snakes. I've been in a couple ponds with snakes. Okay, uh, we got Charlie and, Sna- and he, Sam here. Charlie? Yeah, so I remember at our old lake house in Indiana, I saw a snake slither in the water, and my parents were, like, lounging in their things. I didn't say anything, because it probably wasn't going to attack them, but it was just like, Because mm. my mom does not like snakes. Oh, no, no. And, and what about you, Sam? Any any snake experiences? Horrified of them. Not a fan. Um, I just remember my neighbor killing a garden snake with a shovel. That's the only thing I've ever encountered. Well, that's kind of traumatic. That'll give you PTSD. There we go. But but the only time I really, really had an encounter with a snake, I was my son was like in preschool, and I was one of the the room moms who went out, and they said, oh, just take, you know, like five or six kids down this little path and, you know, show them the woods and... So I'm walking along, walking along, and all of a sudden, my foot goes down, and it something moved beneath it, and there was a f- snake under my foot. I screamed, five kids screamed, and we all came running out of the woods, like, well, pretty fast. Anyway, that's my major encounter with a snake, and that was plenty for me. But you know what? A lot of people are headed outside right now. You know, they get, they're going to go camping. They're going to go hiking. You're going up north like Brian Nisnansky was talking about just to hang out. So there is a chance you may run into a snake. And joining us is Josh Kopfer. He's a wildlife biologist and professor at UW-Whitewater. And he's just co-written a book, Amphibians and Reptiles of Wisconsin. And Josh, should you be concerned? Well, you know, <laughs> as far as snakes are concerned, and what, well, how, how likely is it that we might run into a snake here in Wisconsin? We have 23 species of snakes in the state, and some of them are very common. The common garter snake, for example, is something that you can find even in suburban and urban areas that have substantial green space. So some of them can be quite common. Others are particularly rare. We have several endangered snake species in the state that are habitat specialists, and those types of snakes are very uncommon. Are snakes everywhere? So snakes can be found in most locations where there is undisturbed habitat. And that's really the key qualifier here is undisturbed habitat. And, and, you know, all species have experienced declines globally because of habitat loss and degradation. Snakes are no different. And so in areas where habitat is intact, 
snakes can be found in those locations quite ubiquitously. Now, sometimes they can withstand disturbed habitats, and you'll find them in suburban areas maybe that have lots of city parks or green spaces. There are some species that tolerate that. Are snakes good for the ecosystem? Snakes are very important predators within ecosystems, and they're also very important prey within ecosystems. So um, snakes, we can imagine our constrictor species, uh, like the gopher snake and the fox snake um, being very important rodent predators, for example. Uh, the rattlesnakes, we have two rattlesnake species uh, in the state. Uh, one of those, the timber rattlesnake, is also a very important rodent predator in the habitats that exists. Uh, and, you know, we have many, many small species of snakes that, as an adult, reach, you know, 10 to 12 inches, maybe. Uh, and those are very important prey sources for various mammals and birds. So, yeah, they play a very important role ecologically. You mentioned the timber rattlesnake, um, and I, I guess that is one of the venomous snakes here in the state. But what's the other one? The other one is called the Massasauga, and that is a, a, a Chippewa word or a word from the Chippewa language that means great river mouth. Where do you find these? Not that uh, I want so to. Not that I want to find them, Josh. But <laughs> if, if if I weren't looking, where might they be? Well, they both have very restricted ranges in Wisconsin. And so the timber rattlesnake, for example, is primarily found along locations along the Mississippi and Wisconsin river valleys. And even there, it's not just like you get into the river valley and they're suddenly everywhere. Even there, they're they're uncommon. They're usually restricted to bluff habitats and real rugged landscapes. They're listed as a special concern species in Wisconsin, and so they're, they're, they're not very common. And so even there, in those locations, you wouldn't find them. So they're, they're not in southeastern Wisconsin outside of the Milwaukee County Zoo. The Massasauga is even more rare than the timber rattlesnake, whereas the timber rattlesnake is often considered a, a bluff prairie kind of species or a woodland species even in bluffs. The Massasauga is kind of a lowland or a swamp wetland kind of rattlesnake. And that species is so incredibly rare that used to be, you know, 100 years ago, it was incredibly common throughout the wetlands of southeastern and southern Wisconsin. Now it's found in only a handful of locations around the state. Very, very uncommon. Are there any snakes that look like one of these venomous ones and, and are commonly mistaken? So we have... the. the Several constrictor species that will sometimes take on behaviors that, or engage in behaviors, I should say, that confuse people. So the the fox snake that I mentioned, for example, has a tendency to sort of vibrate its tail very rapidly when it's threatened. And for somebody who's not familiar with a rattlesnake and how a rattlesnake sounds, just the simple action of seeing that vibrating tail automatically brings up the sort of vision of a rattlesnake. But it, it's not a rattlesnake. And in fact, if you've ever heard a rattlesnake rattle, it's hard to mistake those two, right? But for people who've never had the opportunity to hear that, it's easy to mistake them. And also the, the, the fox snake has kind of a grayish color overlaid with kind of brownish blotches, and that is reminiscent of the Massasauga a little bit. So there are several snake species in the state that actually do that tail vibration, and that oftentimes confuses people. What should you do if you happen upon a snake? Well, generally speaking, uh, snakes are really not interested in interacting with people. And so most of the time, in fact, I shouldn't say generally speaking, snakes are not interested at all in interacting with people. Most of the time, if you just stand still or back away, they go on about their business or they'll just sit coiled up where they are and, and, and not have any interest in interacting with you. So for the most part, 
you can just leave them be. Maybe watch them from a distance and enjoy the fact that you get to see this rather secretive type of species in Wisconsin. And people like myself spend hours and hours trying to find snakes. And if you just happen across one, consider yourself very lucky. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? You're lucky if you encounter a snake. All right, that, that intrigues me right there. So uh, should you be concerned if you're bitten by a snake? Well, Josh is going to be back with us in about seven minutes with the answer to that question. You know, he's talking about that fox snake. I, I was driving into the neighborhood this couple of years ago, and there's a car stopped and a woman just standing in front of her car. So I couldn't get around, and I thought maybe something had happened. So I got out to ask her if everything was okay, and there was this snake, big, big snake, and its tail was up in the air, and it was like looking like it rattled. And she kept saying, I think I see a rattlesnake. And I said, I think you see a rattlesnake too. But, but it wasn't a rattlesnake. It was obviously one of those fox snakes. But boy, can they fool you. All right, it's 9.16. Coming up in just a couple minutes, we have Dominic Catronio in sports. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Whoa! That's that's snakes. A lot of people are fascinated by them. There's no question about that. And uh, let's go back to our conversation with Josh Kopfer from UW-Whitewater about his book, Amphibians and Reptiles of Wisconsin. Josh, what's the most unique snake snake you've ever encountered in the state? We have a couple of rare species in the state, which are always a, a treat when, when I get the opportunity to interact with them. I really, really like both of our rattlesnake species, so it's always a treat when I get to see one of those. <laughs> I, I um, love how you say you really, really like the rattlesnakes. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're my favorite. I mean, they're not necessarily my favorite, but they're close. They're such interesting snakes, um, really fascinating. And so I, when I get the opportunity, I, generally speaking, uh, have permission with the Wisconsin DNR to interact with those snakes in the wild for specific purposes. And so when I get the opportunity to do so, it's really a treat. How do you, how do you interact with them? A number of years ago, I was involved in a study on something called snake fungal disease, which affects timber rattlesnakes. And so I was working with the DNR and other researchers, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We were trying to collect samples from timber rattlesnakes and massasaugas that might have been carrying this snake fungal disease. So that was for a specific research purpose. We had a specific reason to do so. Um, otherwise, I would not be handling rattlesnakes because it comes with a risk. And that's really the best way to get bitten is by trying to pick a rattlesnake snake up. Um, I have special gear to do that with and, and had special permission to do so. What should you do if you're bitten by a snake? Any snake? If you're bitten by a non-venomous species, then it's not an issue. More than anything, people are afraid if they are bitten by a rattlesnake and that makes them I'm sorry, people uh, are afraid when they're bitten by a snake. It's shocking, right? Um, and so they, they have a tendency to freak out a little bit. Um, but the 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 you know, a regular snake basically just causes superficial damage. Um, if that, there are many species of little snakes that can, can't even break the skin, right? Like our brown snakes, the red-bellied snake, little garter snakes. So it's not anything to be concerned about if it's a non-venomous species. If it's a venomous species, then um, basically the, 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 the best order of business is to get to a medical facility as quickly as you can. And, you know, usually they say if you're bitten, to take off items of clothing or jewelry that might restrict 
um, cause a restriction if swelling occurs. So rings, watches, um, you know, maybe belts, things like that, that could cause damage if swelling occurs. But in our book that, that you had referenced, Dr. Daniel Keeler wrote a chapter on venomous snakes and snake bite in Wisconsin. And in that, he states that it's pretty uncommon that anybody is or can't get to a medical facility within an hour, right? That people don't live within an hour of a medical facility. And inside of an hour, and probably even a little over an hour, it's not, unless there are very unusual circumstances, you are not going to die from a rattlesnake bite. The rattlesnakes here in Wisconsin have, relatively speaking, benign bites compared to things like cobras. Now, there are always extenuating circumstances, but getting to a medical facility quickly after you've taken off these restricting, potentially restricting items is paramount because they make antivenoms to treat rattlesnake bites. Josh, I I don't think it's an herbal legend because it certainly occurs in places like Florida. And maybe you can tell us if it's ever happened here in Wisconsin. But can snakes actually get into plumbing and and can you really find them in your toilet? Yeah, so I think in those instances, it's hard to know exactly what was going on in the instances reported like in Florida. If that actually was in the plumbing or if it crawled into the toilet because it was in the bathroom or whatever. But that, that is such a rare occurrence that people do not need to be fearful of something like that. I mean, you are much more likely to get struck by a car crossing the street, right, um, than you are to see a snake in your toilet. Now, I'm not saying it'll never happen ever because strange things happen all the time. But we have to remember that the two rattlesnakes in Wisconsin in particular are incredibly rare. Snakes in general are incredibly rare, uh, or I'm sorry, snakes in general are secretive, so we don't see them that frequently. The times where I have heard stories in Wisconsin of people who interact or come across snakes often in their home are situations where they happen to have uh, a house that was, or have a, a house that happened to have been built on top of a rattlesnake, I'm sorry, a snake hibernacula of some type. And then sometimes those snakes in the fall move in, try to get into this sort of underground spaces below their house and accidentally find their way up into the main part of the house. But it's it's very uncommon for things like that to happen. It's usually unique circumstances. As long as it's not my house, I'm okay with it, Josh. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. It's called Amphibians and Reptiles of Wisconsin. You've got tons of really beautiful, colorful photos, which I can imagine a lot of little kids would love looking at. And uh, I, I, again, it's out there and it's available at anywhere books are sold. Yep, absolutely. Um, You can get it from UW Press's website, you can get it from Amazon, you can get it from your local bookstore, and get it from your library. I mean, I I just want people to know it exists and the information is out there. You know, I don't need to hawk books at people, but just so you know it's available um, from your library or, or wherever you get books. Josh Koffer, thank you so much for talking with us and telling us everything we ever wanted to know about snakes and maybe a few things we didn't. (laughs) Well, there's always more to learn, so um, (laughs) feel free to contact me again. We will. Thank you, Josh. You're welcome. Can you imagine 1,200 pages just about snakes in Wisconsin? Well, I think he includes other amphibians, too, like turtles. I like turtles and frogs and toads. Those are okay. But snakes... Not so much. 929, it's going to be one of those days where it's not, well, it's not really going to be that that warm. It's only going to be about 62 for a high. We're still at 52 at WTMJ at 929. 936 on 
WTMJ. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on, we're going to we're going to take a look at uh, what goes on behind the scenes of a reality cooking show. As we give you a little preview of our conversation with Milwaukee chef Adam Pollock from the Egg and Flour Pasta Bar. That's all this half hour. Right now, though, it is. PTSD Awareness Month. So let's turn to Dr. Mike Zussman. He is the vice president of the Wisconsin Psychologic Society. Dr. Mike, what exactly is PTSD? So PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's a reaction to an event that happens where someone either witnesses or experiences themselves a life-threatening occurrence. For some people, it's something they see that they've actually experienced, an awful accident, or they were in an accident themselves, which they have memory of, and there is a serious threat to their life, possibility of them dying or the other person dying, and they experience that. How severe are the symptoms? It depends on the person. Some people can be a little more resilient and they can experience something like that and it will affect them but not severely while others can be pretty severely impacted and it it can affect their lives for years after the event. How is PTSD treated? With various modalities, there are several options you can do, one of which, of course, is therapy. Different forms of therapy, such as cognitive behavioral therapy. There's also something called EMDR. Okay, what's EMDR? EMDR is a method used, it's always by someone who's trained, focused training on how to do EMDR, and it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It's a process going through different eye movements, just like we do in REM sleep, based on how the clinician will do it, can help the brain refocus and sort of rewire to help the person cope with the trauma and the experiences they're having now related to the event. When people undergo treatment for PTSD, is it a a long-term process or can sometimes it be taken care of maybe in just a session or two? You know, if it truly is PTSD, if they fit the criteria and it, I don't know of anyone that could really go through that in just one or two sessions. In order to meet that criteria, your life has to be pretty affected. Due to that fact, it's going to take a long-term course of therapy to overcome that. Are there certain professions that are more inclined to suffer from PTSD than others? Yeah, you know, one of the criteria for PTSD, and that's a really good question, is that exposure to life-threatening or ongoing trauma. So, for example, a social worker who has to deal with ongoing child abuse cases and seeing the after effects and working with the kids from those cases can actually start to fit criteria for PTSD. And, of course, anyone in any type of emergency help, whether it's police officers, whether it's EMTs in any of those fields, without a doubt, uh, can be more prone to it. And then, of course, PTSD has its history and stems from all the way back in World War One. Anyone in the military who's engaged in some kind of combat can be very prone to PTSD. If a person's been treated successfully for PTSD, can things trigger them 
where they can have a recurrence of the condition? You know, PTSD is one of those things that can be that ghost that haunts you throughout your life. And there are definite times when you undergo therapy and you're feeling good, and then there can be those triggering events without a doubt. Hopefully, if you've gone through thorough therapy, whether that involves medication or not, and therapy was effective for you, you can experience those triggering events and experience some symptoms, but not go back to fitting all of the criteria for PTSD like you did before. If anybody out there thinks they or a loved one is suffering from PTSD, are there places they can go to get more information? Absolutely. You know, one of the the things you can do is do a little research on the internet by going to the APA website, so American Psychological Association or the American Psychiatric Association. There'll be some good information on there about the criteria for PTSD. You can learn about the different forms of stress response, whether it's acute stress disorder or something else on that spectrum. And find out more information, decide for yourself, well, yeah, I kind of meet these criteria, so I really should be reaching out to get myself some help. Dr. Mike Zussman, thank you. It is always great to have you here. I appreciate it, Libby. Thank you. And Dr. Mike's practice is at Sunrise Counseling in Whitefish Bay. He is vice president of the Wisconsin Psychologist Association. It's 942, 53 degrees at WTMJ. What's going on on Conversations today? We'll tell you right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 944, we're going to get to sports in just a couple minutes, but let me ask you a question. How real do you think... TV cooking competitions are. Well, Milwaukee chef Adam Pollock is going to talk to me at 11 o'clock this morning about what actually goes on behind the scenes. First time you met Chef Ramsay, explain that experience and what it was like for you personally. Sure. So on the show, if you remember, they had everyone come to his actual restaurant in Las Vegas and we were all standing there. We turned around and he was standing there. So that was technically like the very first time I saw him. Like, wow, that's him. And just seeing him and the excitement and just like the energy that he brings is like, I think they even show my face when I turn around and it's just like all smiles because it's like we're here. It's real now. Nothing feels real until you turn around and he's there on set. You never know with him. In the first two minutes of meeting him, he could have had us cooking or something. And you can hear the entire conversation with Chef Adam, including stories he's never publicly shared before. That's all today at 11 o'clock on WTMJ Conversations. It's 945. You're a minute away from Dominic Catronio and Sports right here on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. And I'm Libby Collins. You're probably waking up to rain wherever you are today, but it's only going to be around well, maybe about an hour or so. It is going to be windy and cool today. Clouds are going to stick around, and we're only going to get up to about 62 degrees for a high. Then tonight, clear, windy, cool, down to 48. Tomorrow looks partly cloudy and breezy and a, slight of, and a chance of some showers late in the day. It'll get up to about 70, but when we were talking with Brian Nisnansky earlier today, he said might even get a little bit more rain tomorrow night than we're getting right now. Uh, Tuesday, mostly cloudy, windy, cool, chance, chance of showers again, 65 or high. Wednesday, partly cloudy, and we'll finally get back up to around 76 degrees. Currently in Sheboygan, it's 53. Tosa has 51. Delafield's at 52. We have 52 degrees at WTMJ at 952. 
We're here with Michelle Reinen from DATCAP. And Michelle, I think a lot of people are confused about that student loan debt forgiveness. What's going on now? And if you've got a student loan, when are you going to have to start paying it back again? Well, you're absolutely right that there is confusion. And those are great questions that we're still waiting for the definite answers on. But we do know that it should restart by September 1. But things can uh, still change. And and that is why we want to talk about this, because scammers are going to be taking advantage of this confusion and uncertainty that debt holders have. Um, And even the general public that could be following along that doesn't have any student debt could be confused and and may have a a family member or friend that they are trying to help guide. Um, So we need to be aware of the types of scams that have circulated in the past and keep our eyes open for any twists that they may put on these scams because of the fluctuation that's happening. We know that scammers collect information such as full names, date of birth, home address, and that federal student aid ID number, FSA ID number, and then the social security number. So if someone calls you claiming to be a loan servicer or student debt repayment uh, counselor or anything, do not give any information over the phone to verify anything. That is the scammer trying to collect it. If your servicer is reaching out to you, it will likely be in writing probably through email, um, if that's how you've communicated with them in the past. And if they call you, they should know who they're talking to. You would not need to verify anything. Um, But you only want to talk to your loan service provider or go to the U.S. Department of Education to follow the latest news on this. And if you need help, you can always call the Wisconsin Student Loan Help Hotline um, to get information and have student loan questions answered. Um, But again, don't provide that personal information over the phone. Don't pay any upfront fees for student loan debt assistance. Um, You don't need to do this. This is all stuff you can do for free. And never give a stranger that third-party authorization or power of attorney to act on your behalf because then you're going to lose track of everything and the scammer will have full control. Michelle, can you give us the Wisconsin Student Loan Help Hotline? Absolutely. 833-589-0750. And that's a number to keep because uh, if you get a student loan, get any questions, you know, I, it's nice that Wisconsin set that up.